Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, Monday edition. I hope all of you had fantastic weekends. Congratulations to Buck Sexton on bringing a huge victory to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish as they trounced Southern Cal on Saturday night. Buck, I know that you and your fellow South Bend, Indiana denizens were extremely excited over that outcome, and I appreciate the fact that you took it right to SC. Can I just say, it seems clear to me that I am a lucky charm for the Fighting Irish very well said. Uh, maybe perhaps you are preparing to be a dad with that incredible dad joke to start off the week. Uh, we've got a lot to dive into. Let me give you a, a, a headline uh, kind of rundown of where we're headed. Senator Ron Johnson, our buddy from Wisconsin, I think the last time he was on the show was in Milwaukee uh, when we were up there for the first Republican presidential debate. He'll be with us updating us on the goings-ons in D.C., by the way. 104.7, we will be in our D.C. affiliate location on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. We'll give you the latest on the ongoing battle for Speaker as Jim Jordan, friend of the show, tries to lock up his official support as he is the only candidate that I have seen so far uh, that is declared and remaining standing uh, in that great Speaker battle. At 2.30, Julie Kelly will join us for the latest on all of the Jan 6 shenanigans in D.C. As well, there was a very flattering, uh, long biography piece on Judge Chutkin uh, in New York Times, which I read. I can't even remember if I read it last night or this morning, Buck, but uh, you would think that she is uh, an absolute paragon of virtue. If you read, probably it's got to be like 3,000 words. I mean, it was not a short biographical profile. They are giving her the hero treatment that they gave to Ruth Bader Ginsburg and others in the judicial movement on the left. So that's preparation for what they think is coming, which is Judge Chutkin on the front line of the anti-Trump resistance. With that case still scheduled, we should mention, to start on March 4th, less than six months from now, thereabouts. Um, so, uh, so that is on the horizon, right about time the Republican primary will be officially determined, uh, the nominee. Uh, but, Buck, 
over the weekend and continuing basically since Saturday, what has been dominating the entire news cycle is the situation in Israel, the actions of Hamas, the response of Israel, what is and is not appropriate, uh, and uh, the fallout continues all over the United States and, frankly, around the world. And I know, like many of you, uh, it has been staggering to see the amount of public outpouring of support that has come in for Hamas and Palestine all over the United States, but also around the world in many Western democracies, as you are beginning to see that I think, Buck, maybe the biggest takeaway for me so far from an American perspective is you and I talked on this program quite a lot uh, about 9-11. You went into uh, serving the country as a part of the CIA to try to catch the bad guys after 9-11 to ensure that those uh, kind of scenarios did not continue to occur. But we've talked about on this program what would happen if America experienced a modern-day 9-11, if Islamic terrorists decided that they wanted to take action, killed 3,300 Americans, essentially, in this modern era. And I think what you've seen is there would be 20% of Americans that would say the United States is to blame, we aren't innocent, they would engage in moral relativity, they would not look at actual good and evil, and I think this is maybe the biggest flaw that we face in the United States. There are a whole lot of people who spent the last seven years screaming that Donald Trump and his supporters were modern-day Nazis and that they must be silenced and they must be defeated or American democracy was going to give up the ghost. And now that we have seen 1,300 Israelis murdered by modern-day Nazis, they can't even buck condemn actual violence as much as they did words that made them uncomfortable during the Trump era so far. There is an element here of a wake-up call for a lot of people that I think had assumed uh, in the aftermath of something this this heinous and brutal, there would be a unanimity based in the most fundamental moral truths. And instead, you have a lot of people who are uh, trying to you know, mitigate the uh, idea of uh, Hamas as a as a terrorist entity, argue that it's not even a terrorist entity. You're, you're seeing these protests all across the country. What's what's about to happen as this invasion uh, is is imminent. The Israeli ground invasion has not started yet, but it could start while we're on the air here. It might be a few days. Uh, it's not quite clear of uh, the. Way this works is Hamas try Hamas tried to kill the maximum number of Israelis in a terrorist attack and is now going to try to instigate the maximum number of civilian casualties of its own people in Gaza. Uh, this is why Hamas is telling people to stay behind. Israel has over the weekend they even gave I think a three hour amnesty, if you will for a primary road to allow people to evacuate in safety with no strikes and nothing happening to get to the south of Gaza. Uh, there's going to be some brutal uh, street-to-street, house-to-house fighting that occurs here. I think we have to assume that Hamas, the same way they prepared for two years for this massive terrorist attack, I think they've also been preparing for what is now going to be a um uh effectively a guerrilla warfare campaign in the rubble of northern Hamas that's what they'll be fighting and an insurgency of sorts 
there are some major questions that still hang uh, in in the background of all of this. Iranian involvement. Is Iran going to get much more involved? It has numerous proxy forces in the region where it could turn up the heat and the violence without necessarily having you know, Iranian planes in the sky or Iranian soldiers as such uh, on the ground. Why hasn't Egypt opened the border with uh, with Gaza and allowed for evacuation of refugees? There are answers to that question, by the way, and we could spend some time on it. Part of it is this region has been absorbing Palestinian refugees for decades, and uh, sometimes those Palestinian refugees end up causing problems. Go look at what happened in Lebanon and look at what's gone on, um, you know, historically. So they don't want that. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want the resource drain. They don't want the headache. But at the same time, they're supposed to care so much. Egypt is supposed to care so much about the Palestinians and their cause, as all Muslim states are supposed to care. So, Clay, we, we have a lot of uh, a lot still left to be determined here. And uh, the, the one part of this that I think has been other than the, the initial shock of the brutality and the violence is the the, the size and scope of the. The group that is both, it's a combination of anti-Semitism and anti-colonialism and sort of woke anti-racism. That mentality all comes together for some people with the Palestinians and completely blinds them to the most obvious realities as to what's really happened here. There's an editorial in the New York Times addressed from the perspective of Jewish liberals who are suddenly looking around the Democrat Party and recognizing how many people actually despise them inside of the Democrat Party. And this got me thinking, Buck, I'd like to open up phones on this. 800-282-2882. We talked about this last week. Roughly 65 or 70%, depending on the tallies, of Jewish voters regularly vote Democrat. That is a, you know, plus 35, plus 40, plus 30 margin in favor of Democrats. Now, it's a relatively small number of people in the grand scheme of things. And much of those voters, Buck, are cloistered in New York and in California, big cities like L.A. and New York Southern Southern Florida. Southern Florida, where you are. Uh, I I guess my point is, I don't know how many Jewish voters are truly in toss-up states where their votes, we've talked about this, uh, are, are likely to swing an election one way or the other. Although I would think there's a decent population of Jewish voters, certainly in Pennsylvania, uh, certainly in so, Michigan and in uh, in the Midwest in Wisconsin. I mean, I, I worked for Dennis Ross for a summer as a research uh, as a research assistant back in 2001, right after 9/11 that summer, at the uh, Washington Institute for Near East Policy, and he re- he was Clinton's negotiator for the. Uh, Arab-Israeli peace process, what was then called the Arab-Israeli peace process in Clinton's second term. He was writing a book. I was doing basic fact-checking on it. This is back when I was in college. It was like a college kid summer job. But, you know, I had Ambassador Ross. I was, you know, in his office and talking to him all the time. And uh, one thing that has not changed at all on this issue is how um, dug in people are ideologically on this one, meaning the people that are pro-Palestinian. You cannot, you cannot break through. You cannot explain to them that Hamas goes too far, that there's something... They, Even they, with all these videos out, Buck, it, they're still... I mean, they, babies being slaughtered, grandmas... Play, there I are mean, people that, that deny it. Yeah. Um, but as for how the votes go, I'm, just, I'm I'm bringing up, you know, so I, I first 
dealt with this issue in some kind of a professional, you know, as a college kid, I'm not trying to overstate it, but, you know, in a, in a direct context and went to a lot of these think tank meetings about specifically Israel, Palestine. You know, I spent a whole summer doing this. Um, I do not think that you'll see uh, vote change as a result of this because you because you haven't seen vote change as a result of this. There have been multiple intifadas. Uh, people vote, you know, uh, Amer- the American Jewish community votes the way that they vote. I, I think largely irrespective of what happens uh, with any specific administration on this issue, because basically Democrats and Republicans at a policy level are pretty united on support for Israel. Yeah. So they don't really, what I'm saying is there's this like, there's the, the, the squad far left stuff and the campus stuff. A lot of the American Jewish community is like, okay, well, we all know they're crazy, but we can trust Biden, Schumer, Pelosi, et cetera on Israel. They believe that. And so that's why I don't think you see a change in the voting pattern. It's the same. We, you, you caught, you caught all this too. Remember, Biden was very slick. To not go with any, he, you could not hit him with defund police in 2020. Yeah. You know, he sort of pandered, but he never, he never went along with that because he knew. So, you know what I mean? It's. Yeah. I, I, I am genuine. I mean, I read that New York Times editorial. I'm cur- I was just going to throw it out there for people who are Jewish and are listening to us. Uh, you went to a synagogue this weekend. Uh, maybe you had conversations. Certainly you have with a lot of friends and family. I'm curious what the reaction is and whether you are hearing people who may don't pay. I think a lot of this is, Buck, if you're 75 years old and you have been voting for one party or the other for your entire life, it's like being a fan of a sports team. You just kind of are locked in and you aren't really paying attention to the particulars all the time. I wonder if this is moving. I'm just curious, conversations that are occurring in the Jewish community, if you are listening to us right now, you got liberal friends, you got people who aren't even particularly political, but just show up and vote Democrat. Is any of the, are any of those conversations shifting, uh, lines? Are there conversations that you are even surprised to hear? I, I think that uh, one thing is, you know, I've lived in two of the most heavily concentrated Jewish communities in the whole. I mean, I grew up in New York City, um, where yep. there are more Jewish Americans, I believe more Jewish Americans in New York City. Then there are Jews in Tel Aviv. I think that number might be right. More Jews in New York State, I believe, is the number than Israel. Um, so Isn't that the number close to it? I think. That, that stat, I don't know. The team can check that one. But I think there are more uh, Jews in New York City than there are in Tel Aviv. So most of, uh, I'd say, you know, most of or a good chunk of, of my, my closest friends growing up um, were, were Jewish. And a lot of the people that are dear friends of mine in our business in South Florida currently are are Jewish um, and I can tell you this attack, what I gather from them, and they've basically said as much, this attack took them to the worst, darkest places of anti-Semitism in our history because this wasn't a military strike for leverage. Yep. This was an act of we want to exterminate you. We want to kill all of you. That's what Hamas was saying with this terrorist attack. It's not, this is not even Russia, Ukraine. As I've said, Russia, Ukraine, Russia is not looking to exterminate all of the Ukrainians. They want control and they'll kill a lot of people and they'll bomb, you know, you know, it's, it's war. It's horrible. This Hamas attack was meant to send the very clear message that Hamas's goal is to kill every Jew in the state of Israel if they are capable of doing so. And that, that is, 
psychologically deeply unnerving for Jews in Israel and all over the world that that could even exist in this day, given the history. And that's what I pick up from my closest Jewish friends. I think that's 100% true, Buck. And then there are legitimately conversation, I mean, legitimately protests where protesters are saying our goal is to exterminate the Jews. And they're saying it openly without fear. And, I, and you think about this, who, what, what group? You know, we always do the what if this was some other group. I, I don't, I don't know of another group where on a college campus you could get anything like these numbers of people to agree with, which is why, again, it comes back to this is a huge reminder, really a shockwave through the minds of all paying attention around the world of the depth of, of, uh, anti-Semitism. Um, it's something that we're, I, 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 if we have, um, I know we have a lot, but listeners, uh, from the Jewish community in this country, um, please do give us a call. Tell us what your thoughts are on this because we, we would like to hear from you. 800-282-2882. Um, and also, Clay, we should discuss some of where, where Biden is on this, um, because there are some decisions that are going to be, that are being made right now could have a real effect on this conflict. So we'll get into this in a second, but give us a call team. Are you on a fixed income? You'll benefit from an investment that delivers consistent returns without compromising your financial security. Phoenix Capital Group offers high-yield corporate bonds with annual returns of 9 to 13% paid out monthly. With 3,000-plus satisfied investors paid on time every time, Phoenix Capital Group is providing investors a new high-yield option investing in domestic energy assets. Starting at $5,000, you can earn 9% annual interest with a three-year term A term Reg A-plus offering paid monthly. Start earning these high yields and learn more about multiple offerings today at phxonair.com. Look, I'll tell you, I'm an investor in the Phoenix Capital Group personally, so I believe in what they're doing. I've put capital to work with them, and I think they do a great job. But you can learn more yourself. Download the free investment packet today. Go to phxonair.com. Learn how you can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 13% annual interest. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. But visit phxonair.com today. Do your homework, do your due diligence, and check out this company. The voices of sanity in an insane world. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey! 
I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do is that is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, team. We're going to be taking some of your calls here on the situation in Israel and the impending war uh, on Gaza, or the ground invasion, I should say. There have been airstrikes going on for days. Uh, also, some of the we should get into the U.S. response from this, both from the uh, Biden administration thus far. You know, Biden is warning, for example, uh, that he and he may be visiting the region shortly, um, but he is warning that Israel should not occupy Gaza again. Um, I, I think that it's much easier for Joe Biden to just throw advice out there than it is for the Israelis to deal with the tactical realities here on the ground. Um, but also whether or not they're going to open, whether or not Egypt will open the, the uh, Rafah border crossing is a big point of contention right now to allow an outflow of refugees from the region. And uh, we'll bring you back into this and just come up here in a moment. But Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida has stepped up and helped evacuate Americans. We'll bring that story to you. Uh, also, he has said very clearly what his feeling is on whether the U.S. should take any Gaza refugees specifically. We'll get into that coming up here in just a moment. In the meantime, our veterans deserve our respect in every way. There's a company that feels the same way. That's Pure Talk, veteran-owned company. They're doing something special this fall leading up to Veterans Day. They've set an ambitious goal to eliminate eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. They're asking for your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, They'll donate a portion of your order to this noble cause. You get both superior cell phone service and the chance to help. And Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just dial pound 250. Say the keyword Clay and Buck to make the switch today. Let's show our unwavering support for our veterans. Dial pound 250. Say Clay and Buck to switch to Pure Talk today. It's the right move. It's the American way. Again, it's really simple. Dial pound 250 and say Clay and Buck to switch pound 250. All right. Uh, three different breaking news stories that are going on simultaneously right now. Uh, let me update everybody out there on these. Uh, and, and in terms of consequence uh, for 2024 in particular, uh, Julie Kelly, who is going to join us at 230, just tweeted out Judge Tanya Chutkin, an Obama appointee, she of the incredibly favorable New York Times profile over the course of the weekend, just imposed a gag order on Donald Trump. He will not be allowed to comment about special counsel Jack Smith or his staff, court staff, 
Uh, not sure, Julie says, if that means Chutkin and potential witnesses in his case. Uh, and then she adds that this is an evidence of a banana republic. This is a mess, Buck. Let's start with this news story. To me, the clear intent here, and we've talked about this quite a lot since these charges were initially filed, is one of these judges is going to hold Trump in contempt of court. Mm-hmm. Because Trump is not going, I don't believe, to restrict his commentary on what he believes is a political persecution. Indeed, this is a very complicated legal case because it's almost impossible at this point in time to extricate the legal and political and isolate them because the cases are a huge part of Donald Trump's campaign. And so the idea that he's not allowed to comment on whether or not uh, he believes that this is justifiable in terms of the uh, the charges that are being brought against him, again, to me, feels like there is a clear attempt to uh, to, to set him up to be charged with contempt of court. So the, I, I have not read the ruling. We'll have Julie Kelly on at 2.30. How it is implemented is obviously very impactful, but this is a further attempt by the United States government to muzzle the chief political adversary of the current sitting president of the United States. And, of course, they're going to say this is just the same treatment any other American would get. You're not allowed to be out there. Uh, speaking publicly in a derogatory fashion about the judge or, you know, uh, they're going to say that Trump doesn't get special treatment. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Trump gets special treatment in a negative way, and then they say that that's necessary because otherwise he'd be getting special treatment in a in a positive way. Now, look, it's a limited gag order. I, I think that Trump is going to play... He's going to play right up to the edge with this. We all know. I mean, trying oh, he's to going tell. to go beyond the yeah. edge. I mean, I, and look, I mean, Buck, this <laughs> is a, this is a good, problem. like his, his attorney says enforcing a gag order in the middle of a campaign is impossible. And he even brings up the idea. And I'm reading from, uh, Daniel Baldwin, uh, who is, uh, in, I believe this courtroom right now. He even brings up the idea of Trump criticizing Mike Pence as a vice president. Would that be a violation of the gag order? Well, Mike, Pres- Mike Pence, of course, is running against him in uh, the presidential primary right now. And so whether or not Trump is able to, for instance, uh, criticize that goes to the very essence of his ability to be involved in the process itself. So uh, this is, Buck, going to be a huge mess, and I don't know how it gets reconciled. Uh, I think that the way they believe it will be reconciled is Judge Chutkin is going to push this whole thing through and and get a uh, conviction of Donald Trump. I mean, this is they're not doing they're not doing 3000 word, um, you know, puff pieces on a federal judge in D.C. because they aren't setting us up here for the Trump case to both happen next year. And for the judge to, you know, the big thing is, can she get it to be pushed through with all the procedural hurdles and everything else, right? In yeah. a normal way, as you've said, no, I mean, that's not, but as I've been saying, this isn't normal. She hates Trump. She knows what her mission is here. And if she can get this thing 
brought to trial uh, next year in the election year, she'll be considered a hero to the left for all time. It doesn't even matter if she gets a conviction, but I think it's very likely she would, given the D.C. jury pool that that you'd be working with here. Um, but the uh, the gag order is going to be you're right. I mean, I was saying, you know, Trump is going to be playing close to the line. He's going to blow through the line and effectively yeah. dare the judge to do something about it. I mean, I, I suppose my understanding is the judge can can issue a fine. The judge can, for a contempt order, take you into into custody. I know that's also possible. But yeah. that, you know, that at some level starts to look like it's one way that they could get. I, I think that the visual of Trump in handcuffs in a cell is something that the Democrat Party is now obsessed with. I, I think that this is their their fondest wish right now. The thing they want more than anything else, other than Donald Trump to not be president again, uh, would be to somehow manage to get him arrested, even if it was for a day, and have him processed and the whole thing, right? To have him sort of perp walked. They want that humiliation. And if they can get it just by a judge, uh, a judge saying that there's a contempt violation, they'll take it. I think that would actually play very much into Trump's hands. So there could be an argument. Again, I don't know how aggressively he's thinking it through or how much planning there is. But if she arrested him for contempt of court, how much more could you show that the judge is biased against you than putting you under arrest for the things that you're saying about what they're doing to you in this case? So I, I wonder. I think that might play to Trump's favor. A couple of other things, Buck. Um and uh, obviously battle, we, got a, we got the update on the speaker's battle, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, this is uh, Jim Jordan says he's going to bring the vote to the floor of the House tomorrow at noon. And he expects that there will be a decision made on who the next speaker is tomorrow. This is Jim Jordan speaking to CNN. That's uh, a cut, cut 26. 26. Yeah. Oh, we can't. We Clay, we got to come back to that one. All right. The other bit of news is that we have got a um, a statement that was just put out by the House Oversight Committee, and you and I were talking about this off-air. Uh, this is breaking from the House Oversight Committee, James Comer, and I'm reading directly from their tweet. We are investigating whether classified documents President Biden was caught mishandling, including sensitive information related to specific countries involved in his family's foreign business schemes, that brought in millions uh, for the Bidens. Can, can I, and he's can, calling on special counsel Robert Hur to provide more information that just now coming out. I'm going to throw something out there. I, I know that the story so far has been, you know, Joe just had the documents by the Corvette in the garage and he was doing his uh, classified documents as somebody who handled them for years um, are not things that generally would be, uh, you know, you wouldn't have this many randomly misplaced. These were documents that he held on to for some reason, right? Usually the handling procedures are very clear, especially when you're that level. You have people with you. They're going to carry it in a, in a lock case. And there's, you know, there, there's procedures for classified information. So for you to hold on to it and end up bringing it into a space like your home one or two pages, maybe it got, I mean, you know, crazy things happen. It got stuck by a piece of tape to the bottom of, you know, a stack of something or other. Like, that can happen. That happened to people in the, uh, you know, national security world when I was working. Um, and people would come in, and they'd be terrified, of course. Like, oh, my God, I, I broke classified procedures. 
But how many documents did he have? It was in the dozens, right? Dozens yes, of different documents right. at this point. I, I would be willing to bet that it's we're going to be told it's a huge coincidence, Clay, that some of those documents relate to Ukraine and some of those documents relate to U.S. policy with China. I mean, yeah. And we're going to be told it's a big coincidence. The two countries where Hunter was getting most of the money from. And the other thing I'll factor in, I believe it was The Hill I was reading over the weekend that it appears that Robert Herr, who is the special counsel investigating this case, may well have caught members of the Biden regime in lies about the classified documents that were found at the Penn uh, Center, which is where supposedly these documents were found. They claimed, oh, we just discovered them and we immediately contacted NARA or whatever it is, the archives. It now appears that they knew that those documents were there potentially for over a year before the story came out. So, so we have talked about this Robert Hur investigation, the special counsel investigation that he is conducting quite a lot less by far than the others, but he evidently sat down and interviewed Biden, uh, for a couple of days. Now the challenge is there is a, uh, an existing uh, justice department ruling, uh, memorandum from the Clinton days basically that say, the Justice Department can't charge a sitting president with any violation, um, and that is uh, the, the working assumption. So it raises the question legally. We're getting a lot of unprecedented legal questions this year. If you are a kid and you're interested in going mm-hmm. to law school, these are unprecedented constitutional I'm, issues. I'm going to tell you what something happens? right now. I, yeah. Clay, I think, uh, first, there, 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 will, there will be no charges brought against Joe Biden while he's president. Full stop, end of story. Anyone who wants to place a stake bet with me on that one, I, I welcome it. But Joe Biden, no one's talking about this yet. If he is smart, he will, and he loses to Donald Trump. Pardon himself. He will pardon himself. He'll pardon his son and himself. And this will, I think, set a whole new precedent. Let, we'll come back to this. Also, we got a, a lot of lines lit and we want to take some of your calls. So we'll get into it in a second. To my fellow gun owners out there, look, it's not easy to get to the range. You know this, right? I mean, maybe you live close to one, but you got to get out there. Uh, down by me in South Florida, some of my favorite ranges, they're booked up all the time. I got to book up, you know, a week or two in advance at least to get a good bay to go out there and get, get my, uh, my shooting on. So how do I train at home? The Mantis X visit. That's how I keep my skills as sharp as I can. And I need to because I'm cross-eyed dominant, which is a big pain for those of you who are shooters. I'm always trying to deal with my cross-eyed dominance, but you know what helps a lot? Working on the fundamentals. And that's what the Mantis X gives you. Data-driven, real-time feedback on your technique. Mantis X lets you see improvement in the first half hour of use, okay? It simply attaches to your firearm like a weapon light. So straightforward to set up. And your shooting skills just get better, sharper, tighter. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. Don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck. And get behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24-7. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media. Spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty on demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next hour, we'll talk to uh, our friend Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin about the debt issue, the spending crisis in this country. I know people think crisis is really crisis. When you look at the numbers, it is also the speaker fight. We will have some uh, updates for you on that. Jim Jordan forcing a vote tomorrow. We've got some fresh audio from Capitol Hill on that issue. Clay and I will be in Capitol Hill this week. I'll be Clay's personal security detail walking around D.C., so don't worry. You know, I'll put on some E-frame Oakleys and, uh, and you know, a tactical vest just to make sure that I've got Clay's back and, you know, nothing bad happens to us there. Um, and uh, I wanted to take uh, some of your calls. As, oh, we've got the Biden fundraising numbers, which I want to dive into, because I think it says something about something. We'll talk about it. Let's first get to Mike in Palm Beach County, Florida. Hey, Mike, what's up? Hey, guys. Good to talk to you. You too. Um, I'm, um, I am Jewish. I uh, grew up in South Florida, and I wanted to just share some thoughts with you about the will Jewish Americans uh, be changing their voting patterns. Um, my, I am a former liberal. I'm now more middle of the road to conservative. I think it's too early to really make any assessment right now. Emotions are high. When the time comes next year for the elections, you're going to know a lot more. I will tell you, I communicate with a lot of people, Jewish and non-Jewish, uh, emails and whatnot. I've already seen a little bit of weakening, if you will, in some of the Jewish resolve in my little world. Um, and I would say that you really need to focus on the fact that the abortion issue for Jewish women is still front and center. And I believe that will be the that may be the principal issue that. Yeah, we hear you, Mike. Thank you for that. Thank you for that assessment, bringing us what you're seeing around uh, in your 
part of the country. Um, let's say uh, John in Long Island, New York. Hey, John. Hey, guys. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, I just want to say, as uh, you know, as a Jewish American watching the protests around the country, this country is you know, scaring the hell out of me. When you think about Nazi Germany and Hitler, Hitler didn't just come out and say that, hey, I'm going to kill all the Jews. He came out as a political opposition. And when you hear people on in the news or around the country saying that Hamas is the political movement, this is very reminiscent of how the Nazis started. So I'll leave that up to you. All right, John, thank you. I, I think it's a I think it's a really good point. Everybody wants to believe that what happened in the nineteen thirties and the nineteen forties could never happen. And Buck, when I saw the rallies in London and Sydney and New York City and Dearborn, Michigan, and saw how open and transparent many of these people are about hating Jews and wanting to exterminate them, I said, Man, we're not very far removed from a lot of what motivated Nazi Germany. Raquel in Brooklyn, what you got for us? Yeah, hey guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I'm a Orthodox Jewish woman living in Brooklyn. Um, I'm also an Israeli citizen. Um, I was born in Israel. I didn't live there um, through my childhood. Um, but I just wanted to talk about just the idea of switching parties. Um, I, I think that people are becoming maybe a little bit more open-minded in general, um, but I don't think that that's going to change anybody's political um, party votes. I think that, um, in general, there's a lot of stubbornness within um, your your political party. People are very set, um, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, my liberal, liberal friends. Um, you know, they'll, they'll go on about every single social issue out there, but they've been completely silent because it's it's coming from a place of stubborn. And I think that we're very used to looking at things in a logical um, sense, and we're dealing with something that's extremely, extremely illogical. And emotional um, for people, you know, yeah. People are very, very right, dug in on, on this issue. Uh, Ra- Raquel, thank you very much for calling in from Brooklyn. Um, Natasha in Cincinnati, we'll take one more. What's up, Natasha? Hi, um, I'm also an American Jew. Um, I am no longer a Republican. I consider myself a Trumpican. Um, I'm a huge Trump supporter, and I, I come from a large Jewish family here in Cincinnati. Um, most of my family, not all, but most, are diehard Democrats. I have cousins here who have held uh, uh, um, fundraisers for Cory Booker, of all people. And recently, my sister-in-law, who works at um, at the JCC here at the Jewish Community Center, she, I got a text of a picture of her standing with Nancy Pelosi at the Cincinnati Jewish Community Center. I'm probably going to get in trouble. On <laughs> so are you seeing any weakening of that Democrat resolve in the wake of these attacks and the way many Democrat well, supporters have shown themselves? You know, I hope if anything good could possibly come out of this situation, it would be opening some voters' eyes. Um, I think that... If in my community here in Cincinnati, you know, it's a, it's a tight-knit Jewish community um, that kind of sticks to their own. And maybe this is a worldview that, that is, um, or, or it's happening on, on such a large scale, and we're seeing, you know, anti- anti-Semitism. On Thank the you for the call. Thank you to everybody out there. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.